Welcome to Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport News. This is episode 131, recorded January 7th, 2023. I'm your host, Charles Grant. And in today's episode, Locky Award nominations are open. 2023 Lock Picking Charity Raffle has started. Bike Lock Security. Trucker accused of killing locksmith. Tips for a new locksmith. The greatest 3D printed lock ever created. Criminals, events, meetups, sales, giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of this show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, or Apple Podcasts. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. Some apps limit the length of show notes and the ability to post clickable links, but you can always find full show notes with all the links at thelocksportscast.com. And as stated at the beginning, Lockie Awards nominations are now open. As of January 1st, I opened up the official nominations page. So if you go to LockyAwards.com, up at the top, you'll find links, or if you're on mobile, you'll find an icon for a menu with links. And under that, you will have both the Locky Awards nominations page as a listing and the suggested videos that people suggested through the years that you might want to check out before you enter your nominations. Nominations are open until the 28th of January, so you have plenty of time, but always best not to procrastinate till the very last day. If you're not familiar with the, what the Locky Awards are, it's just a community awards program for the lock sporters that are on YouTube mainly. Several different categories focusing on best editing, best lighting, most impressive pick. There's also a community spirit award and uh, stuff like that. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. And full disclaimer, it is run by me, myself. I am not eligible to be nominated or get an award. I am the only one that is currently excluded. I don't accept self-nominations currently. That might change at some point in the future, but right now the rules are no self-nominations. Anybody can nominate any other member of the community. It's a way of uh, making it so that just purely being nominated, it means somebody valued you enough to submit you as a nominee. They only get to nominate one person in each category and they thought about you. So just being nominated itself is an honor. Last year and this year, there are not any trophies or prizes. It's just for bragging rights. Unfortunately, I have failed to get any new trophies designed since the first year, and that first one had some uh, copyright issues, so it won't be able to be recreated. But uh, maybe at some point in the future, I will come up with something and we'll be able to get back to uh, mailing out trophies. First up in the news, we have... uh, A sad story here. A trucker is accused of killing locksmith with his semi. This comes from Denver, Colorado. And it says that a Texas man accused of running over a Denver father with his semi truck and leaving the scene has been arrested. The victim, a Mr. Duran, Duran, was a locksmith and a father to five girls. He was sent out Wednesday morning to answer a service call in Arapahoe County. His customer was a truck driver from Texas. According to the police, the men argued over payment. The suspect claims he started to drive away after the locksmith hit his semi with a club. He struck the locksmith's van as he left the scene, but told police he was unsure at first if he struck Duran. When he looked back, he told police he saw him injured on the ground. He called 911 and hung up. 
He called 911 again while proceeding to make a delivery and took off. Deputies responded to the location, found Duran, age 55, on the ground. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Police stopped the suspect in the semi they say was used in the death, and he was arrested on Interstate 25 in El Paso County. Investigators arrested the suspect on suspicion of vehicular homicide. He was being held in the Arapahoe County Detention Facility on a $100,000 bond, but was allowed to return home to his family in Texas, according to a judge's ruling. The DA had requested a GPS monitor be put on before his release, but the judge did not honor that request. The victim's daughter said, It's his word against my father's word, and unfortunately, my dad is not here to defend himself. Um, from that statement and what was said earlier, I'm guessing he he's trying to play some driving away was a self-defense thing because the locksmith started the physical altercation and that hitting him was an accident. Maybe some video footage will come out to clear that up, but that uh, appears to be, from my reading of this, what uh, is currently transpiring. Question is, will the suspect come back from Texas to face charges? And this... Uh, tweet on twitter here by hacker fantastic that said 342 million views of flipper zero content on tiktok and millions more on youtube apparently it can be used to change prices on gas pumps this is going to end in tears when someone gets arrested and i think this is a is is good post to point out that just like lock picks just like hacking on a computer if you use this for illegal purposes in any fashion, you could end up ruining the rest of your life, becoming a felon. It doesn't take much of a screw up, much of a error in judgment to end up a felon when you are messing with stuff like this. So please don't go out there and use your Flipper Zero to hack into anything that you don't have explicit permission to try and hack or that you don't already own. And you have to kind of think of it like you do with your lockpicks. You don't pick other people's locks unless you have explicit permission to do so. You don't use your Flipper Zero to hack other people's electronics unless you have explicit permission to do so. That's your public service announcement for this week. Moving on to community news, the 2023 lockpicking charity raffle run by Lockpickers United has kicked off. And it was announced in posts on uh, Discord and I believe Reddit as well. The Discord post read, Welcome to the 2023 Lockpicking Charity Raffle. Once again, the community has come together to create some truly awesome prize pots, and I hope that extends to us getting some truly awesome donation numbers. The goal this year is to blast past $50,000. It says, First off, big thanks to the people who have helped with the pre-raffle organization and infrastructure this year. Logan is on Discord, PandaFrog, Naswek, and Correct Jeans. And an extra big thanks as well to the 58 prize contributors who made it possible for us to have 59 prizes this year. Entries will be accepted through January 31st. The primary prize drawing will happen via live stream on February 1st. Rules are similar to years past with one quick change it looks like. So it says each US dollar equivalent donated counts as one ticket in the drawing. The charity you are donating to must be approved by the moderation team. Should your preferred charity not be on the list in the link Google Doc or entry form, do not hesitate to contact the moderation team to discuss your preferred charity. 
The list will be updated as more are approved. Members of the raffle team with access to internal info about donations are not allowed to participate. This is done to ensure that the process remains fair. Due to feedback from last year's raffle, an individual will only be able to keep a maximum prize limit of three. We love it when people donate big, but we also want to make sure that the field does not get swept by a small number of individuals. How the prize limit will work. Anyone can put as many tickets on as many different pots as they want. The drawing will occur as normal with no changes. Anyone who wins a number of pots above the limit will need to choose which ones they would like to keep. All of the unkept pots will be placed back into circulation and redrawn in a second stream that will occur on Saturday, February 4th. Anyone who goes above the pot limit during the secondary stream will have until the end of the stream to specify what they would like to put back into circulation or the last pots they won will be redrawn by default. The rest of the rules are pretty much the same as last year. Donate to a approved charity or um, request that your charity of choice be approved. Take a uh, screenshot or photo proof of a valid receipt of the donation. Send that to them. Uh, check out the list of prizes located on the raffle website. And then allocate your tickets among the prize pots that you want to uh, try and win. They will notify you if your submission was either approved or requires adjustment. You can enter as many times as you like over the course of the month. And they also note that PandaFrog has been nice enough to assist with updating the raffle website this year. All of the prize pots and links to other information are located on that site. I will have a link to that in the show notes. Don't forget to stop by and check out the official post with the uh, rules. I've simplified them a little bit here, but be sure to check out the official rules before you try and enter. And Anthony, a.k.a. Cherell, uh, sent a link to a Reddit post that was titled Tips for a New Locksmith. The poster said, I just left the military after eight years of service. Thank you for your service, by the way. And found a job as an apprentice locksmith. So far, I'm enjoying the change of pace and environment. Any worthwhile advice I could do with hearing early on? And there have been a lot of replies to this post and a lot of good advice in there. And a lot of what I, as not being a locksmith, think looks like good advice and pretty much good advice in general for uh, learning any new job. One was uh, use your downtime to read distributor catalogs, get familiar with the different products and tools on the market. And I like this one. If you can. If you can, break it in the shop. That way you don't do it in front of the customer. Basically, tear stuff apart, figure out how stuff works, figure out how to do different things with locks by repinning or breaking them down and putting them back together. Do that in the shop when you can. And that way, the first time you have to go out into the wild and do it in front of a customer, you won't look like a fool. Get to know your distributors and develop a rapport with them. They can be an enormous resource. And there are many, many more suggestions in here, some of them very specific to locksmith stuff. But several, like these ones I've posted here, are just good advice in general in any kind of industry that you become a part of. So I uh, recommend you go check it out. Link will be in the show notes. And next up, we have a video put out by Lethalogica X, the greatest 3D printed lock ever created. The description said, could this truly be the holy grail of lock technology? Doubt it, but it was fun to play around with this concept. However, I'm done with this lock project now, and it's time to show it off to the world. Enjoy. 
And the video shows an incredibly intricate 3D printed magnetic key lock. It has four different sidebars, a bunch of magnetic elements with false gates, by my count, 24 of them, and a uh, dual shank magnetic key. An impressive design that would undoubtedly be very difficult to uh, pick in any way. But also, I'm impressed with the amazing quality of the 3D printing accomplished here because I have been struggling with my crappy old 3D printer to to do anything decent and not only is the lock very impressive but the uh the the effort and the skill that it would have taken to design and 3D print that are incredible. I recommend you go check out the video. And the next video starts our segment here on bike locks. In this case motorcycle locks. The video was called Trying to Steal Our Unstealable Motorcycle by Bikes and Beards. In the video, they test the effectiveness of several motorcycle anti-theft devices. Unfortunately, they don't actually test the locking mechanism on any of them. There's no picking involved or anything like that. And one of them was installed in what I would consider a very poor manner, allowing way too much access to be able to cut it off without damaging the motorcycle. But overall, a pretty good demonstration of their uh, physical toughness on these locks and some of the, the easy ways they can be bypassed. If you own a motorcycle and you need a way to secure it, this would be a good one to check out. And next up, we have a new blog post by Lock Judge, and it's titled Six Strongest Bike Locks, Uncuttable and Unbreakable. The beginning of the article says, If you live in a high crime area or have a very valuable bike, then you need a bike lock that has the highest possible level of security available. We have found the strongest bike locks available. These locks are close to unbreakable and uncuttable as they can be. Obviously, there's no such thing as a bike lock that can't be cut. It's just a matter of how long it will take and what tools you use. The main aim of the strongest bike lock is to make cutting and breaking them so challenging, even with the best tools, that a thief will give up before they can steal your bike. So one of the locks, the bike locks mentioned in this article, is a U-lock from Skunk Lock, Inc. And the gimmick with this lock is that embedded in the shackle, it has pressurized capsules of vomit-inducing chemicals that are will be released if somebody tries to cut the shackle. Their website says, We hope we can make an impact and bring a real solution to the market that can actually stop thieves in their tracks and empower current and future cyclists. We started by building a lock stronger than the best lock on the market. Then we pressurized it with deterrent chemicals. We hope to provide our high-quality skunk lock products to our customers, both directly online and through cycle shops in the future. And it says the pressurized chemical deterrent is permanently sealed, requiring a thief to physically cut the lock to release. And this this is a kind of a a legal gray area in some areas. And you might put yourself at some legal risk employing a lock like this. I'm not sure what the legalities are of them shipping these locks. Um, Are they properly declaring that they contain pressurized chemicals? when they're shipping them because that could be a, a, a serious issue. But also if the thief 
is cutting through this lock and that pressurized capsule bursts. If there are any injuries or serious illnesses caused by this, either to the criminal themselves or a bystander, that could be potentially a legal liability for you and possibly this company. So that's something to think about before you employ something like this. And then iFisk uh, tweeted me with a patent from this company. He says, I came across one of the patents for Skunk Lock a while back. This one is for a later version, which has the added possibility of several more materials in the shackle. It makes mention of chemicals that ignite upon contact with oxygen, too. So I went and looked at the patent, and they talk about all kinds of different things you can put in um, to make them more difficult to cut. And also, quote, in some embodiments, empty space within the housing portion is filled with materials or chemicals that ignite upon contact with external oxygen in the atmosphere or ignite while the cutting tool engages with the material. And this is a whole nother level of legal liability and uh, shipping nightmare and potentially criminal ramifications if, uh, if you're found to be employing this type of thing in some jurisdictions. So definitely uh, something to consider before you just go out and buy a lock like that. But be sure to check out uh, Lock Judge's article. And I will have a link to that in the show notes. I will also link the patent and the uh, Skunk Lock website because whether I would consider employing it or not is uh, is different from how interesting the the idea is. And last and definitely least, in my opinion, in the uh, products category here is the Slapstick Smart Bicycle Lock. So the website says, Slapstick is a smart bicycle lock based on the principle of a toy, the slap bracelet. Due to the elasticity of the material, it is rolled, so fastening and storaging it is convenient. It can be unlocked by fingerprint and supports waterproofing. When the battery runs out, it can be temporarily charged via power bank or smartphone. It says conventional locks are bulky and it is cumbersome to store them while driving if you do not have a separate bag. I tried to solve these problems by getting inspiration from the slap bracelet I used to play with as a child. It is easy to store and fasten because it curls up, giving a moderate impact. Keep it wrapped around the bike frame while riding. It is also extremely easy to cut. This is just a thin, springy metal. It says zinc alloy, carbon fiber, HPPE fiber, and a silicone coating. With a very simple and not very strong fingerprint activated locking mechanism and brightly colored so it can be very obvious where the lock is and and how weak it really is and as i said on twitter this lock just screams please sir don't take my bike because really that all is it's it is it's just keep honest people honest because this is not going to deter a real criminal moving on to events and meetups we have several new ones this week thank you to anthony uh, aka Terrell. So first up, we have Pick Locks on the East Side by Seattle Lock Picking. And that takes place on January 17th in Redmond, Washington. We have Cactus Con at the Mesa Convention Center in Mesa, Arizona on January 27th and 28th. And they have said they have a lock picking village. 
HCon 2023, February 24th and 25th in Madrid. B-Sides NYC, April 22nd. We'll have a lockpicking village there in New York City. Clacky Con, May 5th through the 7th in Durham, North Carolina. Circle City Con, June 23rd through the 25th in Indianapolis. And Lockfest EU and Czech Republic on September 23rd and 24th. And last, we have the MLA Expo, 20th through the 22nd of October. And that will take place at the International Center in Telford. So I don't have any new Lockpickers United belts to announce this week, but Norlin did share the current belt counts on the Discord. So we can go through those right now. On the Reddit, there are a total of 6,134 participants. 1,012 of those will be white belts, 1,664 yellow, 2,138 orange, 746 green, 248 blue, 115 purple, 67 brown, 47 red, and 97 black belts now. On the Discord, and remember there's some overlap here, not completely, but some overlap between the two. So on the Discord, whites, there are 184, 315 yellows, 640 orange, 379 green, 181 blue, 105 purple, 62 brown, 51 red, and 101 black belts over there. If you are not already familiar with the Lockpickers United belt system, there are links in the show notes to the official rules and some videos and websites that explain what the system is, why it's fun, and how it will help you progress and how to get started. So be sure to check those out. And now it's time to take a quick break, say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. We'll start with the financial supporters. We have Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Lee Bond's Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Anthony, a.k.a. Terrell, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, a.k.a. Cooltune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lockpicker, JHP Picking, Bare Bones Lockpicking, Deadbolt Cafe, NWA Lockpicker, Snake, Paracentric, and John R. Chief content producer for this episode is Anthony, a.k.a. Terrell, again. The other content producers are Bare Bones Lockpicking, Correct Jeans, Hazardous Manufacturing, Ifisk, Jeff Moss, Joshua Gonzalez, Lady Locks, Norlin, Oak City Locksport, The Lockpicker 1969, and Tony Varelli. Thank you to all of you for your support. It is very, very much appreciated. And this show is only possible because of all that support from the community. So if you value this podcast, please help support it and help me keep it going by sending me your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that you think the community would benefit from knowing. That is the number one most important thing you can do to help the show. There are many ways to send that information to me. You can simply tag me in posts on social media platforms that I am a part of. You can DM me on those platforms if it's available. You can email me at podcast at com, or you can join my Discord and post it in there. Other things you can do to help, share the podcast with your lockpicking friends. Uh, leave a review, comment, thumbs up, whatever the platform you listen on allows. Uh, if you want to help financially, you can uh, donate on PayPal, Patreon, or Subscribestar. You really don't get anything extra for it, but I do appreciate all those people that do choose to uh, donate. 
If you support the show with a donation or information I use in the show, I will give you credit in the show and in the show notes, just like the people I mentioned earlier. If you have any cool stories about things that have happened to you or others because of Locksport or being a locksmith, feel free to send those in. I would love to share them on the show. If you have feedback about the show, did I screw up and say something wrong? Is there something you'd like to have added? You can send it in to the email address I mentioned earlier or go to the locksportscast.com slash contact. Let me know if uh, you want it to be kept confidential or if you'd like it shared on the show. That's your choice. If you want it shared on the show, just remember to keep it reasonable length, polite, work, family safe, no politics, and not just drama. And now we'll move on to the criminals section. Now, normally this is lockpicking criminals I put in here, and none of these criminals specifically have anything to do with lockpicking. But they all have a common theme, and that common theme is bolt your safe down. Our first story was entitled, Man Arrested for Stealing a Safe from Homeowner. This is out of North Carolina, I believe. It says, an Onslow County man is arrested after stealing a safe from a person's home. The sheriff's office received a report in December that someone had a safe stolen from a home containing several pieces of antique jewelry. They say surveillance video showed the suspect entering the house several times in November. That person later returned to the home after being confronted by the homeowner and returned the safe. However, he was arrested on January 3rd uh, and charged with felony larceny, felony safe cracking, and felony possession of stolen goods. He was taken to the detention center and held on a $15,000 security bond. There's no indication on this what type of safe it was, how much time this person had in the home, uh, if the safe was actually bolted down or not. But uh, if you have something that is of really high value, you probably should have a safe that is expensive. It should be heavy. It should be bolted down securely or embedded in the the concrete foundation, something that that makes it very difficult to steal, make them try and break it in place. And it's a good idea to have a heavy-duty safe that is difficult to break into as well. Next up, we have a story from San Francisco. Castro merchants and police officials issue safety tips after spat of commercial burglaries. The article says that after multiple commercial burglaries in the Castro area, local merchant group leaders and the San Francisco PD have issued a list of safety information and tips. On uh, December 29th, Castro Merchants, co-presidents, and the SFPD captain addressed the recent commercial burglaries in an email. The email said there has been a disturbing increase in business burglaries recently in the Castro area, including three in the past two weeks. All the burglaries appear to be forced entries, and in all three incidents, the contents of the business's safes were stolen or the safes were taken. Last week, one of the Castro's bakeries had its storefront window smashed and the business burglarized for the second time in about a month. An Italian restaurant and historic bar were burglarized in recent weeks as well. And another restaurant owner reported that his uh, business had been burglarized twice last month, first on December 14th and again on Christmas Day. First time they took $200 and the second time they took the server's tips, $2,000 from a safe plus alcohol and wine bottles. In response to those burglaries, he said he has installed a new alarm system. 
SFPD encouraged all merchants to update contact information with them in case officers need to contact them during non-business hours. They also suggest that businesses update contact information with alarm companies to ensure alarms are working properly. For businesses that don't have alarms already, they recommend installing them. Along with alarms, businesses are encouraged to install visible video cameras to both deter break-ins in the first place, but also to aid in uh, any investigations. They say that when closing for the day, they advise having a closing protocol to ensure that items of value are properly secured and the premises locked properly in the evenings, and large amounts of cash should not be left on the premises, and cash register drawers should be left visibly open and empty. They also say that after closing for the day, they suggest keeping the storefront lit at night and speaking with their residential neighbors and sharing contact information is highly encouraged. So again, we come down to don't let them steal your safe in the first place. Keep it bolted down. Have a safe that is difficult to break into. And ideally, do not store large amounts of cash in your business overnight if you can avoid it. I remember when I worked for a a small business that did a lot of retail stuff. We had one of those good old-fashioned in-floor safes that wasn't obvious. It was under something, so you didn't even see it was there. And then it was in-floor safe encased in the concrete foundation of the building. So they weren't going to run away with it. They were going to have a hard time finding it and getting into it if they didn't already know where it was. And that was only used as temporary storage for night drops before they went to the bank. And there were only, I think, two or three people in the entire business that knew the combination to that safe. We weren't allowed to know it. We were allowed to put the money in there, but somebody else opened it up. We put the money in and that was it. The next story, also out of San Francisco, was entitled Man Arrested Accused of Breaking Into 10 San Francisco Stores. It says that a San Francisco man was arrested on New Year's Eve and has been connected with 10 commercial burglaries in the city. He is accused of breaking into stores between November 13th and December 18th. The article lists the location, dates, and times of the burglaries he's been arrested for. What's interesting is that they coincide pretty well with the story we spoke about earlier. And while none of the listed properties are in the Castro area, they completely wrap around that Castro area. The Castro area is kind of a central location in this peninsula. And this person is accused of ones from the southwest, clear around the north of that Castro area clear around to the uh, southeast of that area. So kind of a horseshoe around the Castro area. Good possibility he was involved in some of those Castro burglaries himself. Anyway, says that the burglaries follow a similar pattern of the suspect forcing entry through the front of a business causing damage. Once inside, the suspect stole cash from registers, safes or ATMs and various other items in the stores. And the SFPD said that the suspect drove away from the scene in a black sedan in many of those cases. Investigators identified the suspect. And while on patrol on New Year's Eve, officers recognized him and the sedan on the 200 block of Berry Street. Officers searched the vehicle. They found items believed to be connected with the burglaries mentioned in the article and the tools used to commit burglaries. He was arrested without any incident. He was booked in the San Francisco County Jail on nine counts of second-degree burglary 
arson of a structure, arson of property, possession of burglary tools, and receiving stolen property. Be interesting to see if any of the uh, break-ins in the Castro district go down now that he's been apprehended. And obviously, it could be somebody else in the Castro district, and it could be that there are, it's very likely, that there are multiple thieves with very similar MOs operating in that area. Moving on to sales. First up, we have a Peterson's sale. It looks like the sales on their hydrometer picks again. It says, uh, spend more than $50 on any purchases, receive 35% off on our HD picks. And code will be in the show notes. That code expires January 11th. It says, we want to close these full shanked picks out. But on January 11th, the price of any of these picks left are increasing to $9 to bring them into the same price range as our plastic picks. So they're trying to get rid of those picks, but they're still going to mark them up. Interesting. Bare Bones Lockpicking has a new code for January 2023. This one is Alpama 10. A-L-P-A-M-A-1-0. That code is valid until January 31st, 2023 at Bare Bones Lockpicking. If you're going to be ordering through Law Lock Tools, you might try the discount link provided by Review Guru on Twitter. I can uh, provide you a link to his post in the show notes. If you're shopping over at 3dlocksport.com, you can get 10% off with the code LSCAST10. Southord still has their cosmetically blemished lockpick tools and accessories page up but it really only has two items on it at the moment. Mako Lock's ever-present code BUYMAKO will get you 15% off at checkout. And UKLockPickers.co.uk has 10% off with their ever-present code GIFT. Moving on to giveaways, a couple of new ones here. The Lockpicker 1969 is having a New Year's giveaway celebrating 400 subscribers. That one will have a drawing on January 14th. You will have to click the link in the show notes and watch his video to find out the rules. And Lady Locks popped into my Discord and left a post that said, Hey everyone, there's always a giveaway every week on picking time, but this week we've got some cool stuff to give away. Check us out on Sunday Live, follow the link and click the bell to be notified when we start. Everyone is welcome. And you'll be hearing this too late to get in on this particular week's picking time live. But I recommend that you check it out and maybe uh, plan to watch it in future weeks. I'm going to go ahead and probably leave this on here since it's an ongoing giveaway. Since she says there's always a giveaway every week on picking time, I will uh, leave it up like a lot of the other ever-present giveaways. One of which is CLK Supplies hashtag Lockboss giveaway. That giveaway is always running every week. They have a lot of cool prizes because they are a locksmith supply company and have lots of good stuff to give away. So be sure to check that out. That brings us to the end of another week. Don't forget to head over to lockyawards.net and check out the suggested videos and start thinking about who you want to nominate in this year's Locky Awards. All videos that were created and posted between January 1st, uh, 2022 and December 31st, 2022 are eligible. Anything created before that or after that is not eligible. If it's after that, just uh, start thinking about it for next year's Lockheed Awards. And if you're still listening, thank you very much. I appreciate all of you who listen and especially those that listen to the entire episode. And remember, 
that this show is only possible because of all the news and information sent in by the community. So if you are valuing the podcast, please help me keep it going by sending in your news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksport related that you think the community would like to know. Send it to me at podcast.locksportsguest.com and keep it legal. (laughs) 